Um, all right, well, I'm not going to pretend like uh, there's not an important game that some of y'all want to get to after today's service. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to test your holiness by preaching a three-hour service, a sermon that will um, cause you to wonder right around 1230 if you should get up and leave. So, so I promise today will be, um, will be short and sweet, and if we go past like 1135 or so, that's Pastor Otis' fault for going long in the beginning, okay? Um, but, you know, even if you came here today just to, to, to pray for your team, uh, we're not mad at you. We're glad that you are here. And um, I'm also not going to say that, that you should be praying for the kings, per se. Um, but let me just remind you that Jesus is the king of kings. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, I really do plan on being short and sweet. And, and it's a little bit ironic given today's message because though I do plan on giving a quick message, getting straight to the point, um, I hope that this message will anchor you in truth and it will help you to remember the importance of lingering in God's presence. Not to rush it when it comes to spending time with Jesus. I hope that uh, at the end of today's message um, you will have uh, you will feel more equipped to be steady in times of trouble. Um, when, when life feels uncertain, I hope that uh, what we talk about in today's message, the scripture that we look at, will help steady you when you feel off balance. So on that note, can we just pause and pray again just for a quick second? Lord, we're grateful to be in your presence. So open up our, our ears so that we may hear you. Give us understanding of your word. Open up our eyes that we may see more clearly. Open up our hearts to receive the word that you have for us today. And give us a body and a spirit that is willing to go where you call us to go. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, Pastor Tyrone, Pastor Irene, and Pastor Krista and myself just came back from a conference down in Southern California. And um, it was the annual conference for the Pacific Southwest Division and, uh, of, of the Covenant denomination. If you didn't know that we're part of the Covenant denomination, uh, we went down there representing for Midtown. And um, it was a time of encouragement. It was a time to, to be poured into. Pastors and leaders were, were being encouraged to, to stay faithful, especially because pastoring, lead, leading can be really hard sometimes. Um, we were also being caught up to date on pertinent details about changes or opportunities or areas of growth within our denomination. Um, and so on that first night, we heard from a retired pastor named Art Greco. And I had heard his name quite often. One, because my husband Marcos actually used to work with his son. But, but two, also because I have over the years heard Pastor Ephraim talk about this man named Art Greco, who has been like a, a mentor to him. So when Pastor Ephraim says that somebody is like a mentor to him, you know that this person must be wise and profound. And what I, what I found out as I heard him speak was that he's also quite funny, which also you know, helps you understand why Pastor Ephraim would be so drawn to him. But um, I'm not going to summarize his entire message for you. I have my own message to give today. But I am going to borrow a couple of thoughts that um, I thought were good to reiterate to set us up for today. Um, he... he the, the essence of his message, the takeaway was simply uh, to stay faithful, to stay the course, especially because we've just come out of a season and we still feel like we're in the midst of a really tough season. 
He said, stay faithful even when the waters get choppy and our our sails feel ripped up by the wind because the Holy Spirit is still blowing. And and God wants to mend our sails because there is more of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to come. He wants us to catch the wind again. But before he said all of that, he teed it up by saying, you know, when some of us responded to the call on our lives, we thought, or we might have thought, that things were going to be smooth sailing. Because God is on our side, right? Like if God is for us, who can be against us? And and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, So maybe some of us thought that the journey ahead, as long as we're with Jesus, is going to be smooth sailing. And I know that he said it jokingly, because we all know that it hasn't been smooth sailing, especially if you lived through 2020 or 2016 or January 6th. Or maybe for some of us last Tuesday. Maybe, you know, if we're getting really real here, maybe, maybe just on the way to church today, something happened. And it's a reminder that life isn't always smooth sailing. You know, um, that phrase reminds us how little we really know about what the future holds. Life is constantly full of surprises. Sometimes they're good surprises, sometimes they're not. There's always going to be twists and turns. There are going to be times in our life where it feels like the the boat is getting rocked. It feels like our our balance is hard to to catch. It it feels like the the waters are choppy. And um, there's, there's tumultuous times that we have to steady ourselves through. But... But this was actually the point of why Art set it up this way. He he said, many of us thought that life was going to be smooth sailing when we gave our lives to Christ. But, But we know so little about what tomorrow holds. Tomorrow is not even promised. And we don't know what's going to happen day by day. And this is why it's so important to hold on to things that we know are true. This is why it's so important to be anchored in the truth of Scripture and, you, and it's, it's important to be anchored in, in the identity that Christ gives you because the world will tell you a lot of different things. So it's important to know who God is, what the word says about who God is, what the word says and what God says about who you are and who your neighbor is in order to navigate through the choppy waters of life. It's easy to be swayed by lies and circumstances. It's easy to feel tossed by, by, by every new twist and turn that comes our way, those ones especially that we didn't see coming. So for a person who is prone to motion sickness like myself, um, just the thought of twists and turns and choppy waters as we, as we visualize these things, it, it, it can actually make us feel kind of nauseous. When I, when I picture being on a boat like this, it, it makes me feel queasy because I am so prone uh, to motion sickness. Um, I spent the first half of our honeymoon in Maui boat sick. Because, I mean, we're in Hawaii. We're going to do a lot of things in and on the water, right? So we went on this dinner cruise, and we had steak and lobster, except we didn't have steak and lobster because my husband and I, God bless him, spent all of that cruise at the bottom deck of, of, of the boat, because I, I guess you don't get at, quite as sick at the bottom. And, and he was holding an ice pack to the back of my ear, and I was sipping on ginger ale. So that steak and lobster, I don't know, hopefully the seagulls got it or something. But um, 
You know, again, I, I get queasy just thinking about being on a boat, being rocked back and forth. Uh, and and, and when, when you're on a boat that especially feels tumultuous, when it feels like there's a lot of twists and turns, when you don't feel steady, it's easy to start to feel unwell. Last year around this time, we also took our kids to Disneyland um, for one last time before we moved away from Southern California. And they were finally old enough to go on like the big kid rides. So we stood in line for like an hour plus to get on the Millennial, Millennium Falcon, that Star Wars ride. And you know, it's not a ship on the water, but it's a spaceship. So I should have known better. But by the time we got on the ride, about 15 seconds in, I realized, oh, this was a really bad idea. And I spent the whole rest of the ride with my head down, just praying for the ride to be over. I wanted nothing more than to get off that ship. I said ship with a P, okay? Um, <laughs> but but I, I wanted to get off that ship so badly because I did not feel well. It's funny, I found out afterwards that they thought when I put my head down, they thought that I fainted. <laughs> That actually might have been a better ride for me because I would just, I would wake up when it was done. But, you know, motion sickness is terrible. When you feel nauseous and dizzy, all you can focus on is just simply not being motion sick anymore. You want that feeling to be gone. And because I experience it often, and also because I have a little bit of ADD, um, as I was preparing for this message, I decided to do a deep dive on, um, on why we get motion sick in the first place and how to remedy it. So I did this like deep scholarly research. I asked Siri, and, uh, and she told me that we tend to get motion sick because of this, okay? Um, here's that scholarly research, research for you, okay? It says that um, Motion sickness is the result of a conflict in the inner ear where the human balance mechanism resides, and, and, and seasickness is caused by a vessel's erratic motion on the water. When there is a perceptual incongruity, the brain responds by releasing stress signals to the body that can ultimately lead to nausea, vomiting, and vertigo. So, so in other words, if your eyes tell you one thing and your ears hear and feel another, that inconsistency can cause you to feel unwell. When things don't match up, your body will let you know that something is off. When you're not in alignment, your body will let you know that something isn't quite right. Now, if you already are there and you're seeing the spiritual parallels, when, 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 when your eyes are not set on Christ, when you're... When, when your mind and your body is one way and, and, and the spirit is telling you another and there's some inconsistencies there, well, then you can start to feel unwell. There's some, there's some things that God gives us hints about that he wants us to pay attention to. And here's the thing. When you feel unwell, when your alignment is off, when your stomach gets queasy, when you're on a boat and you feel unwell, you want nothing more than to get off that boat. So the question that I'm going to lean into to today is, is, how do you keep from getting unwell when things are not smooth sailing? When life gives you choppy waters, how do you manage to stay on the boat and keep from getting seasick? When there's twists and there's turns and the winds change and you have to adjust your sails more often than you'd like to, how do you keep your eyes and your ears from being misaligned and getting thrown off balance? 
How do you stay on the dang boat is what I'm asking. How do you stay faithful when it's hard to stay steady? Well, we're going to look at some scripture for some guidance on that. And the scripture I want us to turn to together is Genesis 22. Um, It's actually a familiar passage of scripture, so really I could just retell the story back to you and summarize it for you. It's a story that maybe some of you, if you grew up going to Sunday school, you heard about this story in Sunday school. And I think it's actually kind of a weird story to teach in Sunday school because it's about when Abraham puts his precious son on the altar. And, you know, I don't know if any of you were traumatized by coloring pages of a child on an altar, but that was kind of my story. But... um, There's some really good things that you might have missed if you didn't read this carefully or if if you've forgotten about it since your childhood. So let's read through the first 18 verses of Genesis 22. Um, I'll try not to be boring as I read it, okay? But I also need glasses. So, okay. So Genesis 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Do you all know that this is the first time that the word love is used in the Bible? That's actually really important to take uh, note of. Take your son, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you about. So early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw a place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Do you notice too that he says, we will come back to you? We will come back. He was was ready to slay his son, but he said, we will come back to you in faith. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and because you have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Now I said it's notable 
when something is mentioned in the Bible for the first time, it's actually called the principle of the first mention. And when it's a, a word as important as love, it's worth paying attention to. We see a lot of imagery and wording here that paints a picture of what is to come. I don't know if you ever caught this, but, but the story of Abraham and Isaac is a foreshadowing of what is to come in the Father and Jesus. The Father who did not withhold anything from us, his son, his only son whom he loves. Did you even catch how Abraham placed the wood on Isaac's back and they climbed the hill? Did you see how Isaac, you know, Isaac was actually not a young boy. He was said to be at least 18 years old maybe even 33 years old, if you see that parallel with Jesus. And, Abraham, and Isaac would have been big enough, strong enough, or even mentally there enough to talk back a little bit to his dad. But Isaac, in submission to his father, also let himself be put on the altar. There's so many great parallels and foreshadowing here that we might miss if we don't pay special attention. And sometimes we need to hear things more than once for God to get our attention. If you, if you notice in this passage, there are, are words that are repeated on purpose that God might have us pay special attention to. Uh, there's words or phrases that are repeated in this passage, and, and, and there's just a few phrases that I want to point our attention to, words that might help anchor us and steady us in times of trouble, things that we can learn from Abraham. The first thing that Abraham says repeatedly is, here I am. Right in verse 1, God calls out to Abraham, and Abraham replies, here I am. Now, Abraham, you know, he's a little bit more old school than, than me, and I, I grew up in sort of an old school Korean household. And I know that for me, when my parents would call me from another room, if they said, Sujia, from another room, I couldn't just say, yeah. What? From where I was at. I had to go and be in their presence. I had to make myself present before them. And I would say, nah. And I would say, what is it that you want? I was saying to them, here I am by making myself present before them. And this is what Abraham was doing. He said, here I am. And because he said, here I am, uh, God was giving him ears to hear. Because this is the posture that Abraham had before God, God gave him ears to hear, and Abraham's posture communicated to God, Lord, I want to hear what you have to say to me, and my posture says, Lord, align me to your will. It was essential for Abraham to have ears to hear and make it a habit to say, here I am. Because at the most crucial moment, he heard the angel of the Lord call out to him twice, Abraham, Abraham. It was urgent, and Abraham had ears to hear, and he said, here I am, and he stopped what he was doing. Even mid-motion, he did not slay his son. Because he had made it a habit to say, here I, here I am, and had ears to hear, God prevented harm. Another thing that is repeated in this passage is the phrase, Abraham looked up. Abraham looked up, and when Abraham had set out for the place that God had told him about, on the third day he looked up and he saw a place in the distance. He heard God, and, and he looked up towards the place that he should go. So Abraham not only had ears to hear, but he had eyes to see. He looked up, he made it a habit to look up to the Lord, and he moved accordingly. 
Isaac was his son, his only son whom he loved. And, and, you know, the promise of descendants that were as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore was supposed to come through Isaac. So it made no sense for him to put Isaac on the altar. And yet, because he had ears to hear and eyes to see, he was able to obey in faith and did even the most, in our minds, ludicrous thing to do. It didn't make sense, but he lived in radical obedience to the Lord. Soon, every tribe, tongue, and nation was going to be blessed through Abraham's descendants, but Abraham laid him on the altar, nevertheless. Because Abraham made it a habit to look up, he also looked up again in verse 13. And there in the thicket, he saw the ram that God had provided. Abraham had ears to hear and yet eyes to see, and because of that, he had the courage to obey but, you know, they, they also say that there is power in the tongue. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And, and you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart. So there is power in what we say. Sometimes we need to say things to believe it. Faith comes through hearing because someone has spoken it sometimes, right? And so we, we, we need to make it a habit to say things in truth even if it feels scary sometimes, make declarations of who God is and what is true of God, what is true in the scriptures. And this is what Abraham does. In faith, he speaks with his mouth, the Lord will provide. Abraham had ears to hear, eyes to see, and a mouth that professed that the Lord will provide. When Isaac asked him where the lamb for the sacrifice was going to come from, he said, God himself, later in Jesus, he didn't even know what he was talking about yet, but he said, God himself will provide, and himself he did provide. So first, Abraham said it in faith, and then he said it again later as a testimony He said it as a testimony and a prophetic word of what was to come. After he put the ram on the altar instead of his son, Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. One last thing that I thought was interesting in my Google study about motion sickness um, was, was there's a special trick in preventing motion sickness. You know, they say that um, there's a reason why the driver of the vessel seems to be least likely to get motion sickness. And this is because the driver of the vessel is best able to anticipate each movement. The driver of the vessel knows what's coming next. So if you are not in the driver's seat, if you are not the captain of the boat, if you are surrendered and you, you said, Jesus, take the wheel, the best way not to get motion sickness is to mimic the movements of the driver. Mimic the movements of the driver. Abraham, he didn't even know that he was doing this, but he was mimicking the movements of our good, good father. Abraham was so in alignment with the Lord that he was a foreshadowing of what was to come. And Abraham was able to do things with steadiness and with courageous obedience because he kept his ears attuned and he made himself present before God. He made it a habit to say, here I am. He looked up and he said, I know that God is going to show me where to go. So he had eyes to see. And he confessed with his mouth. He believed it in his heart that God would provide. And because of Abraham's faithfulness, you and 
and I are a fulfillment of the promise that God gave to Abraham. We are those descendants that are as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. We are the answer to those prayers. We are the fulfillment of, of the obedience that Abraham modeled for us. And I know my time is up. I'm going to say one last thing. Um, I've heard sermons on Abraham and Isaac. Maybe you've taught about this in a Bible study. And, and, and sometimes you'll hear an application from this passage. And, and the challenge will be something like, now what is it at this point in your life that you may have to lay on the altar before God? What's something that you may have to sacrifice unto God right now? And I'm not saying that that's a wrong application. But if you notice, the wording is not actually that God was pleased with Abraham because Abraham sacrificed unto the Lord. It says that God was pleased because Abraham did not withhold anything from him. He did not withhold his son, his only son. Abraham was completely surrendered and he said, here I am, Lord use me, I am not holding back. And as Abraham said, here I am, the great I am showed up and he said here i am i am not going to withhold anything good from you can we pray this and live this in faith can we be like abraham and ask the lord give us eyes to see give us ears to hear give us a mouth that will speak truth and the courage to obey all unto his glory let's pray god we thank you for the power of your word we thank you, Lord, that meeting you in the scriptures can transform our hearts and give us so much encouragement. So, Father, thank you for the life and the testimony of Abraham and Isaac and all the mothers and fathers of faith that went before us. God, may we see and may we feel the power of the, the great cloud of witnesses that cheer us on to keep steady, to keep anchored in our faith, to keep our eyes on you when the waters feel rough. God, thank you for showing up for us and to us over and over again. And God, may we live our lives as a testimony, as a testament to your faithfulness so that others may know the transforming love of Jesus as well. In Jesus' name.